That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Nine days ago, the Phoenix Suns got embarrassed by Memphis, in Memphis by the Grizzlies, losing by 30 points on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. In many ways, it was the low point of the season. Actually, the low point of the last three seasons. After the loss, which was the Suns' third straight, they were 21-24. and 24. They had fallen to 12th place in the Western Conference. Since then, the Suns have been a different team, winning four straight, the fourth coming last night in a 128-97 route of the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, a team featuring Terry Rozier and a bunch of guys who I really hope are enjoying their fleeting NBA experience. Uh, by winning four straight games, the Suns have risen above 500 and all the way up to the seventh spot in the West. They're only a game and a half out of fourth. Yeah, they're undefeated since the return of Cam Johnson. Johnson missed 37 games with a torn meniscus, but since he's been back, the Suns look more like themselves, and more importantly, he's looked good individually. Johnson had 19 points in his return against the Nets, and last night absolutely torched the Hornets for 16 points on perfect shooting in a memorable seven-minute stretch to start the game. When the Hornets somehow closed within eight points before halftime, it was Johnson who hit another three as to say, not tonight, guys. Johnson's return in good play is a great sign for the Suns, who played with three of their normal five starters last night. The other two, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, could be back soon, with Booker possibly getting his groin injury reevaluated today. Some Suns fans are bracing for major changes at the tr- at trade deadline in about two weeks, but I wouldn't be. James Jones is a patient, some say too patient GM, and this year the Suns are getting reinforcement It's in the form of their own players. Sure, Jones would be rolling the dice on continued health and leaning on past chemistry, but it's really starting to feel like there's one more run with the current core of Suns, regardless of how it ends. If there are sweeping roster changes, doesn't feel like they are coming until the summer at the earliest. That is Vinny's View. It's brought to you by Revitalize, weight loss and wellness, eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud huh. nutrition partner of your Phoenix. Uh, that's, that is interesting because if that would be quite a, uh, quite a decision to make if you're James Jones. I mean, we talk about patience being a very, very hard virtue to find in, in life and in sports today. It's what makes the Steelers different, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. in terms of their head coaching uh, philosophy. And and in the case of James Jones, you're right. There's this, there's this uh-uh, I'm not going to buck to conventional wisdom. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to do what I think um, is best for this basketball team. Okay. Now, so for you to, so you've, so this four game winning streak has already convinced you that there's a run in this basketball team without doing anything major. Because that really is what this is all going to be about. Because if you get out, if you stick with this core and you go and you lose a first round series, what are the implications? What are the costs of that? Well, to answer your question, has it convinced me that there's a run in this team? No. Has it convinced James Jones? That's my speculation. Oh, I see that it's. Con- I see that it's because convinced him. So therefore, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Cam, I think you might be right. Cam Johnson's return. We've talked about the effects of that return. We've yes. talked about Dario Saric with the Suns. The Suns got nothing from Dario Saric last year. He wasn't an option. He was not physically able to play after the knee injury. He's back. Now, what I said about the sweeping changes, that does not include Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder needs oh, to yeah, be no, traded. No, no, yeah, that's. I do fear at this point that you know. I don't know if you're getting a rotation piece for Jay Crowder back that can really help you on a consistent basis. 
So maybe the view is Sharich is that guy that you didn't have last year in a, in a playoff run. And yeah, I do believe that James Jones is rolling, right. rolling the dice on on you know this team staying healthy, which they've been unable to do. Their starting lineup. How many how many games have they played together? Eight. Yeah, not a ton, not a ton. I, I hope you're right. I, the, the thing I'll tell you what, what what encourages me and what scares me. What, what encourages me is the fact that that I like you. And others, we lived last year's playoff run up close and personal. We were at those games. I was in that locker room, or I was in the media. I was in the locker room. I was in the media availability area. All that stuff. My takeaway was that this wasn't the Suns being exposed. This was a lot of weird stuff conspiring to take the Suns down. So if that, if so, if you really believe that, and I did, then and I do, then then I, it's fair to think there is another run in this basketball team. But one of the takeaways that I got from last year was the whole idea of culture and depth and camaraderie and lots of guys who who are going to step up for you. That kind of goes out the window in playoff basketball. And in playoff basketball, you need 1A and 1B, and everybody else is kind of tagging along, doing what they can. And so I, I and so I watch this basketball team now, and I see the recent successes that have been provided by Josh Kogi and minutes by Saban Lee and these other guys – uh, Dario Sharich now more recently. Chuck Landell. Yeah, these degree. other guys around the periphery who are kind of adding to the mix and keeping the thing afloat a little bit. I, I just don't know what value they're going to bring in a playoff series when when the game changes dramatically. I, I, I Again, and I'm not saying one way or the other is right because I can see both sides of this. It would be quite the flex for James Jones to exercise all this patience patient and be right. If you get back to the Western Conference Finals this year, it, it, that's okay. You've given yourself a crack at it. Yeah, to me, Suns don't have to get to the NBA Finals this year to keep this thing going. In my opinion, they do have to make a run to the Western Conference Finals. Like it, it, over the last week, there's been this narrative, and I'm not saying this was coming from you. This is coming from a lot of people who began to fear the worst of this basketball team, and that was, you know what? They're going to be a real tough out for somebody. They're going to be a real tough matchup in the first round for somebody. There's a big difference between that and being able to actually win that series then win the next series then give yourself a shot in that third series mm-hmm. and 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 where are they in between on that spectrum so it's true uh, but uh, you know i was talking to a friend about this too is there seemed to be as recently as 10 days ago you know after that after that memphis grizzlies loss they're 21 and 24 they're all beaten up you got to just hope they're healthy when the playoffs and they can become that tough out and maybe they can make some noise the truth of the matter is, and this is a different year, yes, but history tells you if you're one of those teams that's in the bottom half of the bracket of, of any conference, five or lower, it's hard to get where you're going. Yeah, it is. The Houston Rockets did it once in their second championship run, and in a strike-shortened year, the New York Knicks, Knicks made it to the finals as an eighth seed. Those are outliers. You don't really see that. If You know, if you are one of those teams that is uh, marginalized by injury and you're five through eight going into the playoffs. If you win a series, it's usually considered a victory. So I, I still think it's important for the Suns to be in the top four, which is not out of the realm of possibility. No, I guess it's with not. the way the Western mm-hmm. Conference is. And I think that's probably one of the factors that's leading James Jones to exercise this patience. He operates that way anyway, the way the Western Conference is structured. Uh, and, you know, these reinforcements, you know, Devin Booker's going to be back soon. DeAndre Ayton should be back. I was kind of surprised he wasn't back last night. Yeah. But, um, you know, he should be back too. And we'll finally get to see, knock on wood, what this team looks like 
when it's not November. Mm-hmm. You know, November basketball is a lot different than January basketball. January basketball is a lot different than April and May basketball. But, man, it's been a long time since we've seen this team put together. And, you know, Crowder still has to go. That needs to yeah. happen before mm-hmm. February 9th. But I wouldn't be holding your breath for, for the anything Fred, else? Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi or any of those guys yeah. coming in. Yeah, that, that to me, I would go down that road if it was me. Because if you're going to make a serious uh, attempt to acquire him in the offseason anyways, maybe maybe you're thinking, okay, I will, we can get him, but, but he's going to get traded someplace mm-hmm. if the Raptors are not going to sign him. So I don't know. Um, I guess keep your fingers crossed. Hope for the best. Yep. You can uh, text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we hit the NFL getting ready for championship weekend and a question about a superstar's ankle. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. It feels better. I mean, it feels better, better than I thought it was going to be now. Um, obviously, I have a lot of adrenaline going right now, so we'll see how it feels. But uh, I'll hop right into treatment today, tonight and uh, try to do whatever I can to be uh, as close to 100% uh, by next week. But luckily for us, we played the early game on Saturday, so we get an extra almost half a day that I can let that ankle rest. Is Patrick Mahomes vocally slowly developing into Ed Orgeron? Wow, that would be something. Go Chiefs! I mean, he needs a little bit yeah. more timber, a little bit more bass in that yeah. voice, but the, the gravel's about the it, same it, at this it, point. it is a voice that throws you off when you hear it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. wow, you He's, sound like that? Yeah, people whose voice does not fit their appearance, Patrick Mahomes is yeah. on that list. Or maybe it does, I don't know. Mm. Uh, there he is talking about the uh, condition of his ankle. Had to leave the playoff game last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars after he uh, turned that ankle, and it looked pretty nasty. Um, he came back in, in the second half after missing a, a series or two, and Chad Henney with the very pivotal touchdown drive that he led for Kansas City. But it's going to be a factor. There's no way. He, he can talk to being as close to 100% for this game against Cincinnati oh, as he can be, no. but that number not, is not necessarily that close Listen. to 100 we saw we saw as he tried to continue in Sunday's game against Jacksonville last Saturday's game against whatever they played against Jacksonville that was Saturday that was Saturday uh-huh. Saturday's game against Jacksonville you could see that even even when the pain had kind of when he had shook the the real bad pain off all it took was a guy swiping by his ankle a defender falling around his feet and it triggered that thing again so mm-hmm. so that tells you that he's going to be very susceptible to a single hit in Sunday's game and then on top of it um you, you if you were if you're going into this game and you were the Cincinnati Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, you would kind of know what the game plan would be. It's going to be quick, get rid of the ball quickly kind of deal. They're not going to let um, Patrick Mahomes operate that one area of his game that he's so good at, and that is just sheer improvisation. Mm-hmm. In and around the pocket, and and that I think is kind of out the window, and that's going to make I think it's going to make it tough for the 49ers to be dynamic. Now, if anybody can pull it off uh, schematically, it's Andy Reid. Uh, but but I just I think I think the Chiefs might be into some might be in some trouble here. I think so too. Uh, and there's a simple stat; it's an irrefutable stat. The Cincinnati Bengals and their franchise history undefeated in conference championship games. What? They've been to three AFC championships, and they've won all three. They're the only team that can make that claim of being that, to more okay. than one without losing one. That's one of those things you know, but you didn't know you knew. Mm-hmm. 
came up last year to a degree. They were two and zero, but those previous two, uh, you know, were both in the eighties. With Kenny, Kenny Anderson, Boomer Esiason, Icky uh, Woods, <laughs> James Brooks, <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes last week too. We saw like his attitude on the sideline didn't want to come out of the game. Uh, he talked about that earlier this yeah, week. I'm not coming out of a playoff game unless they take me out. And so uh, I'm just going to play. I, I love this this sport too much. I love this game. Uh, I love playing with my teammates and being able to go out there and, and enjoy it together. And, we're, and we were we prepare all year to be in the playoffs and to play in these games and. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get back in the game. I'm glad. Yeah, big Grover energy, yeah, as yeah. I said. Listen, you know, you know how it is when you listen to like English rock stars and they sing and they sound perfectly American and yet they talk yeah. they're perfectly British. Mm-hmm. When, when you hear when you hear Patrick Mahomes' cadence to the line of scrimmage, it sounds very normal. Sounds very yeah. alpha yeah. and in command. But then just the talking and, and he starts talking. Uh, Today, whoa. boys and girls, we're going to talk about the difference between near and the far. <laughs> 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 uh, well done, so listen, I, I think this is uh I, I think you know this will be a showcase for Patrick Mahomes' toughness. They do have a lot of weapons. Uh this 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 little running back they got, Pacheco, oh. uh he's he's monstrously talented between the tackles for a young dude. Yeah, so I, I I think they've got some pieces they can compete, but I do think it's going to be difficult. Um, they just showed a, a highlight. Everybody talks about Eli Apple when you talk about members of the Bengals secondary. This Mike Hilton guy, he will jack you up. He did it on Sunday. He's been doing it all year long. It's a the thing about the Bengals, and again, I saw this against the Bills. It was just one of those surface observations that really explained a lot to me about their win in Buffalo and their confidence against Buffalo was their size difference compared mm-hmm. to the Buffalo Bills. I don't know what it's going to look like in, in terms of up against Kansas City, but that's that's where a lot of these games are won. When Kansas City got detonated in the Super Bowl by Tampa, it's because their offensive line was decimated. Mm-hmm. And and Tampa just knocked the snot out of them. Yeah, Cincinnati's dealing with offensive line issues, though. But you know, one, one of the things that, that stands out to me for Cincinnati, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and yeah, it emanates from Joe Burrow, that that swagger, that confidence that we've talked about so much. Um, they're a team with a chip on its shoulder still. They're the defending AFC champions. And, you know, a lot of times you'll hear teams play that card. Oh, nobody expected us to be here. Nobody gives us respect. They truly believe that. And to a degree, it's it, it's true. You know, even with them being the champions, we talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Bills all see, all season long. And the Bengals were kind of on the periphery. Here they are. And this might be the party to crash for the next decade in the AFC. This might be the Mahomes-Burrow matchup every single year. In fact, there are people in the NFL right now yeah. who have a platform, Bick. Dan Orlovsky of ESPN being one of them. He says the best quarterback in the NFL... Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in football. Mm. Okay. Now, let me be very clear with what I'm saying, okay? Chiefs fans. Patrick Mahomes, best player. He's the most talented player in the NFL, and he's the most dynamic weapon. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in football. When it comes to quarterbacking, when it comes to understanding play calls, when it comes to understanding what you have to do with the football, when it comes to understanding what the defense is, when it comes to understanding pocket manipulation, when it comes to timing and rhythm and accuracy and ball play, uh, Joe Burrow's the best. Mm -hmm. He's the standard right now. It's hard to argue. But he doesn't, even though he gets talked about a ton, he's still not in that that Patrick Mahomes stratosphere. You go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs again, 
for a second straight trip to a Super Bowl? That's legendary stuff. And the, I don't think it's. Out I, of the I don't know. If I, I don't know if I buy this argument that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback, but somehow Patrick Mahomes is the better football player. I, I don't. I listen. If you want to separate quarterbacks from football players, I'll engage in that debate. But let's quarterbacks are quarterbacks. And and I and I and I think the question becomes: If you were starting a franchise right now, who would you take, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow? Uh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Both both are pretty much elite at most everything they do. Let's just say it's a great. It would be a great problem to have if that was your dilemma. Who am I starting my franchise with? Well, which quarterback? I don't think you could go wrong. Joe Burrow does nothing but win close games because he's great in the clutch. Patrick Mahomes, when he wins close games, people go, "Oh, see, he's not that good. He's yeah, see, he's got flaws." Yeah, yeah. Does Joe Burrow have any annoying siblings? Mm. I think that might give him the edge. Mahomes is only one year older than Burrow. Even though it feels like he's been around a lot longer. Yeah, Burrow was in college for a long time. He was like the Van Wilder of college quarterback. <laughs> <The fan. laughs> I guess he has two brothers who used I, to play at Nebraska. Oh yeah, isn't really? it? Isn't it amazing? You follow how, them on what, Instagram. Is, uh, is no. one of them named Some? <laughs> some some Burrow. <laughs> beef and Bean Burrow. Beef and Bean. He's got a brother named Beef and Bean, Jared. I think he does. How do you feel about I'll, Beef and Bean? Yeah. Beef and Bean Burrow, oh, Jared. Oh, oh. Bean Night. Isn't it funny how quickly? <laughs> isn't it funny how quickly Josh Allen could be edged out of the conversation? Yeah, it's kind of happening yeah, right now. It really now. is. It is. Yeah, it's that's what, that's what Joe Burrow just did to him. And that's not necessarily fair to Josh Allen, who played through injury this year, but just couldn't get it done. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Championship Weekend this weekend. Also, really looking forward to the Rush Hour reboot, which is next with Sarah Cazell. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, my friends. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. On Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, every single day at 7.30, we get you caught up on all of the stuff you need to know in Arizona sports and beyond. I'm Sarah Cazell. That's Dan Bickley. Hey. That is Vince Murata. Everyone say hello, Vince. Hello, Vince. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and Jared Carlin. The Heath Bar Blizzard and a Brazier Burger. Yeah. Brazier yeah. Burger. Brazier Burger was, was yeah. quite the buzz in the newsroom after the show yesterday. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. All right, the Suns had a pretty easy night out against the Hornets last night. They won at Footprint Center, 128-97. Cam Johnson led all scorers in the game. Cam Johnson? He only needed to play 18 minutes to get uh, 24 points on 9 of 11 shooting. 6 of 7 from 3. Uh, here's Cam Johnson after the game as soon as I press play. And we don't even have our full team yet. We're missing... One, two of the best players in the league. These really, really good players. Campaign, Landry Shamit. Um, that's a pretty good unit right there if you roll those four out plus any other fifth. Um, and, and, you know, I think 
we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Focus on uh, concepts, not getting too loose, um, and, and, and staying locked into what we do. That's how we got a lot of wins last year, was we were very consistent with what we did. And I think if we keep that same mindset, we'll be all right. All right. Cam Johnson's message. Stay the course. Wait for the unhealthy guys to get healthy again, and we will be just fine uh, heading into the playoffs. What impressed you two most about his performance last night? Uh, the uh, uh, like I said, the vibe. This this kind of really felt like his return to me, where he came out and he made a, an instant impact in the game and made the most of limited minutes and and just carried himself in a way that was very sturdy, if you will. Yeah. And again, he's not the most emotive of players, but again, he's yeah, he just he feels like he's got a different kind of vibe to me since he's been back. Yeah, the uh, the quick start impressed me. That. I mean, that game got off to a pretty ragged beginning because both teams were booting the ball around and it wasn't exactly a pretty basketball. And then Cam Johnson just decided, hey, I'm going to hit four three-pointers in a row without hitting the rim on any single one of them. And it kind of settled, I think it settled everybody else down and allowed them to get their footing and, and put that game away, which is exactly what they should have done. So I, I found that impressive. Yeah. Okay, this is a, a Jarrett Carlin creation. I love when he comes up with the, what? Why are you shaking your head? He doesn't want credit give, for this. Yeah, you don't have to give me credit. That's what I do. I credit give where credit, credit is I, due. Yeah, just accept it. Shut up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. <laughs> what happens first? Jared Carlin shuts up or... No, what happens first? Jay Crowder gets traded or the Arizona Cardinals hire a new head coach. Cardinals love a coach before the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the Cardinal head coach is probably going to be done by next Monday. Okay. I'm not sure Jay Crowder is done by then. Jay Crowder. Love what? that. Used to love that guy. Used to love that guy. <laughs> Formerly loved that guy. We're what, fifth, Once a great guy. Away? I think 15 days away from the trade deadline, if my math is correct. Okay. Uh, let's Nine get, plus. What is, be, it, yeah. what is the date? Today's the 25th, so we got six more. Yeah. Fifth, that's going to yeah. be a huge week. WM Phoenix <laughs> Open Super Bowl, Bowl trade deadline. Woo, Getting baby. close to pitchers Woo. and catchers reporting. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. What, okay. what sport is that? I'm not familiar. <laughs> pitchers and catchers. catchers. Catchers? Okay. I'm joking. I believe uh, they call it cricket. Cricket. All right, let's get to the NFL. The Associated Press, as we speak, is rolling out all of its finalists for its uh, end-of-season awards. And that includes Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. You guys haven't seen the lists yet, so I'm going to be breaking some news to you. Here are the finalists. I'm going to ask you for your vote in each category, or as many categories as we can squeeze in. All right. Starting with the Coach of the Year, the three finalists are Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. Doug Peterson with the Jaguars and Brian Dayball of the New York Giants. Who is your pick for Coach of the Year? Kyle Shanahan for me. Brian Dayball. Okay. Three good, uh, and I feel weird not even, neither one of us mentioned Doug Peterson. What he did in Jacksonville, probably taking over the messiest situation of any of the situations for a new coach last year, but the Giants were broken too. I'm yeah. going with uh, slight, slight edge to Dable. Okay. Over Peterson? Yeah. Not Shanahan? Okay. Shanahan's just good all the time. The, yeah, that's true. Offensive player of the year. We've got four finalists. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill. Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson. Who's your offensive player of the year? Even though he fizzled out at the end of the year, Justin Jefferson is my choice. I don't like giving that award to a quarterback. <laughs> It's what is that old and tired for you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Justin Jefferson is the way to... That's where I would go with that. Okay, one more. Defensive player of the year, and then we will move on to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 49ers DN Nick Bosa, Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, or Chiefs D-tackle Chris Jones, who is your defensive player of the year? Nick Bosa. Yeah, I think that um, I I think Chris Jones has had a phenomenal year. He not, he's he's never good in the playoffs, as that stat over the weekend showed. But um, I, I think Nick Bosa is the is the choice. It's got to be Nick Bosa, right? Yeah. I feel like that's of yeah. all of the awards, mm-hmm. the most clear cut. Yeah. And, and then when he gets that award, it's going to kind of spawn that that debate that we've never really had with Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa. <laughs> I was just going there. The way we did with DeAndre Ayton and Luka Nick, Doncic. Is Nick Bosa football's Luka Doncic? Yeah. <laughs> now, clearly, yes. it's, it's it's he's not at that level, but there might be a conversation to be had. Absolutely. I think yeah. we should have that conversation. All right, let's get to baseball. Uh just Scott Rowland rolling into the Baseball Hall of Fame rolling, this year. Rolling, rolling, Hey, keep them doggies rolling. The eight-time Gold Glove winner uh, with the Phillies, Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Reds. He was also a seven-time All-Star. He was named on 76.3% of the Hall of Fame ballots, so barely clearing the 75% threshold. When Vince, you pointed out at the start of the show, in 2018, in his first year of eligibility, he was named on 10.2%. He had five great off-seasons in a row, really, to get to this point, so congratulations. Yes, congrats on building your legacy by doing absolutely nothing and just sitting back. What do you guys think about how last night's results rolled out. Yeah, I, I said at the start of the show, I think it's absolutely ludicrous. There, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Scott Rowland even makes the Hall of the Very Good. He was he was good. He was a, he was maybe a B plus player at times, a B uh-huh. player at times, a Hall of Famer. That is just it's. Yeah, open the doors, let everybody in. Yeah, sure, that's I mean, what you should do now. The, I, the the NBA, the Basketball Hall of Fame, they're guilty of the same darn thing. One of the same things thing. that I don't like about the Baseball Hall of Fame and the way it operates, first of all, the ridiculous nature of the voting, where you can go from 10% to 76% over the course of a five-year period of doing nothing as a baseball player. But also that there's still so much emphasis put on longevity and stat accumulation where... Scott Rowland, was he ever a top 20 player in the sport during his career? And then you've got guys like Dale Murphy, Don Mattingly, who were the best players in their sport for a shorter amount of time that can't sniff the Hall of Fame. It's very frustrating. And for Scott Rowland to get in, we, we've had some issues with some recent inductees to the Hall of Fame. Harold Baines comes to mind. He's going in with Fred McGriff. But that was, yeah, but Fred McGriff, another one. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fred, and I think Fred McGriff is, is more deserving than Scott Rowland. But. These veterans committees guys, uh, whatever they're calling that committee now, era committee, yeah. Um, but he got in by the regular vote. I, I, just, I don't get it. I don't know if there was pressure not to have a class, you know, to, for for the second year in three years, not to have an inductee to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Kind of would have been yeah. embarrassing. Uh-huh. I don't know if that helped Scott Rowland. It probably did, but mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Yeah, between Hall of Fame voting and fan voting for the NBA All Star Game, <laughs> right? Not all voting is good. Sure, and. Uh, Here's another topic that is sure to frustrate both of you. Pac-12 Network news. Uh, The Pac-12 Network on Friday, we learned via John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, who comes on our show all the time. He reported that two Pac-12 Network employees, the network president and CFO, were fired for failing to report overpayments by a network TV partner. Yesterday, we learned that that partner is Comcast and that Comcast had overpaid the Pac-12 Network by about $50 million uh, total over a, a stretch of years. And 
And the two network employees were fired because they never communicated that to the Pac-12 board of director, directors or external auditors. And those overpayments continued. Yeah. So, it, so now every school in the Pac-12 is on the hook for about a $4 million rebate, which is going to be a real tough check for a lot of these schools. Like, you think the guy, think the dudes up in Berkeley want to write that check? You think right. Michael Crow wants to write that check? Washington State? Yeah, They're like, listen, that money's right. spent, baby. Yes. So to me, this is, again, this is just a bad look. It's it's further indictment of the Pac-12. And if you're Oregon and Washington and you're looking at this, you're like, you know what? First person who wants us, just call. We're out of here. Our bags are packed in the garage. <laughs> yeah, but kind of turn the light on yourselves. You ever it's, paid for something with a $10 bill and received change for a 20 Did you say anything? No, you hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of that. You start paying in cash. Not a, a bad example. But, uh, it, no. Everything's a mess in the Pac-12, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, if you are getting, I don't know, if you're getting that much more, if you're getting that kind of surplus payment and you know it and you're like, don't say anything. But also, how is Comcast overpaying by fifty yeah. million total and not aware of Who's that? Who's working in their finance office? Well, over maybe, there? maybe, maybe they thought there was X amount of viewers when there might have been Y. Oh, you're they might have been some lies. They might have been. They might have thought that Pac-12 polo, water polo, was taking over the country. Sarah, <laughs> they might have been sold a bill of goods, sweeping the nation. Uh huh. <laughs> what a joke! Thank you, Sarah. Thank Rush you. Our reboot every morning at seven thirty. Coming up next, yeah, we are just a couple weeks from a huge week in Arizona sports. That includes the 2023 WM Phoenix Open at TPC Scottsdale. We'll talk to the 2023 chairman of that event, Pat Williams, next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. It's just like... An iconic moment at the WM Phoenix Open that is 26 years old today. Wow. January 25th, 1997, Tiger Woods hole-in-one at the 16th Open. And looking at the footage where the 16th hole looked a whole lot different in 1997. <laughs> but here to talk about that and the upcoming event, the uh, chairman of the 2023 WM Phoenix Open, Pat Williams, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Pat. How are you? Hey guys, thanks for having me. I love hearing that clip every time. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it, it's such a different looking piece of film, and, and the audio yeah. is great. I mean, uh, what are your memories of that moment that still, I mean, lingers as one of the big time iconic moments of this tournament, Pat? I was there. I was in college at the time, and I came up from Tucson. And I wish I could tell you I was at the whole, I was at the event, but I just I do remember the excitement. And I mean, Tiger, I he changed the tournament he changed the hole i mean i don't think that, that the 16th hole looks like it looks today if he doesn't make that hole in yeah. one if you just look if you look at what sam Ryder did last year after his hole in one and you just compare those two videos i mean the impact tiger has had has just been enormous even on our tournament mm-hmm. all right so last year was the first year when the tournament really felt like it got back to normal post-covid and we had some nutty things happen you guys had to make some corrections and we'll get into that but this year you picked a heck of a year to be running this thing my man because the super bowl tie-in with that being local the interest in this year's tournament the Elevated status where you now are offering $20 million in prize money in a purse. Tell us about what this tournament is going to look and feel like. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there, Dan, and it's going to be a really exciting year. So to start with the Super Bowl, I mean, obviously that's just the really – we've had that obviously happen before, and it's really exciting. And with with the Super Bowl, we get, you know, we get more media. We get more people who maybe, you know, corporate groups that just travel to the Super Bowl annually that will be here. And so we get more people at our tournament, um, and, and we're excited about all of that. The elevated status is something that obviously we're really excited about, and – you know, our winner this year will get a $3.6 million check. Our purse is bigger than any major. Um, and, you know, you, you think about the winning check of $3.6 million, that's incredible. But if you finish 15th or 20th, it's also going to be life-changing money for somebody. So we, we couldn't be more excited. We're, um, it's been a lot of preparation and work, but we're just a couple weeks away, and we'll be ready to go. Pat Williams, the chairman of the 2023 WM Phoenix Open, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. You, you mentioned, Pat, some of the changes, um, you know, with what you expect in terms of attendance and things like that with the Super Bowl happening. and. You you mentioned, you know, those these events have coincided in the valley before together. But from a logistical and sta- uh, planning standpoint, how much does it change what what you guys have uh, been able to do this year, if if at all? It does. I mean, it, logistics are. You're, you're right. I mean, hotel rooms are harder to come by. Buses are harder to come by. Restrooms are harder to come by. Like, all those things that you have to plan for every year when the Super Bowl's here, there's just, there's more of it. And so it's just preparation. You know, I, I will tell you one of the things we're most excited about concessions we have to plan for, right? This is one of the things and we have a new menu item that I think Jared's going to be excited about, but we're going to debut the Brazier burger. At the ocean, <laughs> and we could be more excited. <laughs> Well yes, Where else to Friends unveil the, the Brazier Burger than the WM Phoenix Open, folks? It <laughs> <laughs> is great. Sorry, so, sorry, Jared, I couldn't resist. No, I, I listened yesterday. Yeah, I can't resist myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Vince, there's a lot of preparation logistics, and it's a team effort. I mean, we've got. You know, the Thunderbird organization has 55 active members and 200 that are life. And, you know, it's a team effort. And all that preparation um, will result in a great event. The um, Having the privilege of playing Media Day and being in your group, as a matter of fact, I, I, I was reminded yet again for the hundredth time how incredibly far this tournament has come from its from its modest beginnings. What additions, what is new this year uh, that people are going to want to check out? Yeah, so we we build, and you're right, Dan, unless you're out there and you kind of see it, the scale of it's amazing, right? So we build about a million square feet of venue um, for for the fans. And that's that's massive, as you can imagine. And then every year, we're kind of evolving and and trying to make things a little bit different. This year, we're going to have a new entry. We're preparing next year for the new DraftKings Sportsbook. That's under construction. So as part of that preparation, we've got an entry that's going to be a little bit new for our fan experience, but it's going to be fantastic. Our fan zone um, that's right in the middle of the course has been, you know, upgraded with new landscaping. Um, that's going to have two large screens. So for those people who actually want to watch golf, they can see golf from screens there. And then 16 is going to change again. So we've got two new video boards on 16 that are going to be, you know, behind the stadium seating. They're going to be fantastic. It's going to allow fans to see players walking through the tunnel on 16 before they approach the tee box. It's going to allow us to show some cool clips like you guys already played of Tiger in 97. So, you know, all the venues continue to kind of evolve and adapt, but those are a few changes. 
Pat Bick mentioned it. He played Media Day out there. Oh, he was don't in bring your group. I, I was, don't know if you know this oh. or if he dropped this knowledge, but he is a recent <laughs> champion. <laughs> Not that damn. No. Wasn't that How he? would you break down Bick's game? <laughs> Trophy winner. Yeah. Well, well, I, I can assure. Well, I'll tell you two things. He debuted a new driver, mm-hmm. which he hits really well. No one is going to accuse Bick or myself of missing work and playing golf. I mean, I think we, we both um, struggled a little bit, but we yeah, had a nice time. It was a scramble format, yeah. so you can't get in too much trouble. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, we we uh, we did not meet our own expectations. I think we can just leave it very gently and kindly at that. Um, that's right. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. All right, the other thing I read that you're going to have this year that's really cool is you're going to have this gigantic clock tower, and it's one of those really expensive-looking ones that you find, like, at the British Open, and it's going to be, like, right in the middle, so people are going to have a visual where to kind of gather, and I thought, you know what, that's ingenious for a tournament now that attracts, you know, up to three-quarters of a million people. Yeah, so the, the, the genesis of the clock tower, again, with the new entry, we want to make sure people who are coming to the event, the entry is very clear, it's easy to see. The clock tower will go right on Bell Road. <clears throat> um, it's enormous. It's really cool. It's going to have the ability to have music, so we're going to play music. We'll have clips of some famous shots, and, you know, Hopefully people are there and say, hey, I'll, I'll meet you at the clock tower and uh, we'll go into the tournament. But it, it will be new and you won't you won't miss it. Now, so much of, of, of the legacy of any tournament always depends on the weather. That is, and I know as chairman, every, your predecessors, they all go through that worry. Am I going to get lucky or not? What does the extended forecast look for the Valley at this point in time, especially when we've been in such weird weather patterns for the past month or so? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing you can't prepare for, really. But I looked the last two days are the first two days I've looked. And it's it's actually knock on wood. It looks to be just fine. It's still going to be chilly. Um, but it, if you if you believe the extended forecast, we're in like that 70, 40 degree kind of temperature range, which is fine. I'll take it. Uh, sign me up. That keeps you out of a frost delay. And uh, you've got, you know, 70 and sunny is just fine. Good stuff, Pat. We appreciate your time. We're going to keep our fingers crossed. I'm going to be out there, obviously. Uh, have a great tournament, my man. Yeah, thank you so much, Pat. Hey, I, we appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. And put some of those Brazier burgers on hold for us, if you would. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Pat Williams, chairman of the 2023 WM Phoenix Open, just a couple weeks away on this anniversary of an iconic moment in that tournament's history. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Big Scott, your blast to kick Fire. off the second half of the Wednesday show next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.